attention, attention. Let me get your attention. Uh, people in Portland, uh-huh. Please be aware that this podcast contains adult language and subject matter. So don't tell your parents you're listening, okay, kids? Thanks. So in this story, I'm three years old. Shy little redheaded kid. It's nighttime, so I'm probably wearing my footy pajamas. Shut up. So I come up to the living room to watch my TV show, but my show's not on the TV. It looks like there's a football game instead. I see hulking, grunting guys slamming into each other. In the chair in front of the TV, there's another hulking, grunting guy. The one everybody says looks just like me, only bigger. I wait a while, but it doesn't look at me. So I say, my show's on now. I wait some more. After a while, he just points at the screen. Nope, the game's on now. I bite my lip. Well, yeah, I say, but my show's on the other channel. It's not on now, he says. The football guys crunch their helmets together. I look for the remote, but it's in his hand. This isn't working, so I go out of the room, silently on my little padded feet. When I come back a few minutes later, now I've got something in my hand. The TV guy. I hold it up. See, I say, it says right here. You don't know what it says, he yawns. He still hasn't turned his head. Now, I never get mad. Uh, Almost never, because I'm mad now. I know what it says. I can read, see? I shove the magazine right in front of his face so he has to look at it. He sits up, angry and annoyed, but before he can say anything, he notices I'm right. There are the facts in black and white. He finally looks at me. He says, when did you? Then he takes the TV guide away from me, shoves it down between the chair cushions. He grunts, the game's on now, and ignores me until I go away to read a book. That was a long time ago, but I seem to be the same person I was back then. I still read a lot, and it still surprises me that a lot of people don't read at all. And if you get into an argument with me, be careful, because I will be coming at you with facts, figures, references, and citations. Even at age three, I was a bit of a librarian, and even though it hadn't been formulated yet, I believed in Neil Gaiman's rule number one. Don't fuck with librarians. Turn off the damn game and learn something. This is Periodic Mood Swing. This time out on PMS, I interview a voice actor, who obviously sounds a lot prettier than I do. Uh, We talk about Zay Frank, blogger extraordinaire, and I have a slight suggestion for all you future filmmakers out there. Let's go. Well, greetings once again from the city by the sea, the Portland full of cheap lobster and tourists eager to gobble it up. Eagle-eared listeners will have noticed that the audio clip at the top of this podcast was from an episode of Portlandia, the sketch comedy show all about the endearing quirks of hipsters in Oregon. After that show made its debut, I thought, hey, why don't we have our own sketch show here in the original Portland? I mean, we have hipsters. We have galleries and locavores and bike lanes and rock bands and semi-ironic facial hair. Why don't we have our own show? But, alas, I never got around to writing the skits. This means that you, dear listeners, are free to take my notion and run with it. Yes, create your own series of amusing short films and put it on the internet. I will gladly contribute the one thing I did manage to create for such a series, a theme song. Hit it, boys! Out in Oregon, they have a 
Yes, that was City by the Sea by the Figure Models. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. Before we get to my interview with voice actor and Jenny McCarthy's stunt double, Tavia Gilbert, I would like to tell you about another one of my podcast inspirations. This time out, it's Zay Frank, Internet Prankster. Zay, which is short for Hosea, BT dubs, got web famous for his video blog a few years ago, a show which he cleverly called The Show with Zay Frank. He did weird things like putting his fingers in food and encouraged his viewers to do weird stuff as well, like send in photos of themselves being attacked by office supplies. It was wacky and wonderful, and he never seemed to blink. I mean, literally. It was borderline creepy. This year, he's come back to vlogging, and this time, the show is called A Show with Zay Frank. Before returning to even better versions of his trademark goofiness, he opened the new series with a truly inspiring video called An Invocation for Beginnings. Take a listen. Don't call it a comeback I'll have hair for years. I'm scared. I'm scared that my abilities are gone. I'm scared that I'm gonna fuck this up. And I'm scared of you. I don't want to start, but I will. This is an invocation for anyone who hasn't begun, who's stuck in a terrible place between zero and one. Let me take the idea that has gotten me this far and put it to bed. What I'm about to do will not be that, but it will be something. There's no need to sharpen my pencils anymore. My pencils are sharp enough. Even the dull ones will make a mark, warts and all. Let's start this shit up. Since then, Zay has talked about Syria, the teen brain, the Higgs boson, France, life advice from Twitter, his summer vacation, and shoes. You never know what Zay is going to be doing next, but you know it'll probably be interesting, and maybe even moving. And he'll tell you all about it without blinking. Well worth a look with your healthily moistened eyeballs. Find him on YouTube or at ashow.zayfrank.com. That is spelled Z-E-F-R-A-N-K. ashow.zayfrank.com. And now, we come to the succulent entree of this episode, my chat with the professionally pleasant to listen to, Tavia Gilbert, who, like me, lives and works here in Portland, and who, unlike me, can make a children's book sound sexy. I started by asking Tavia what kind of book she's been recording the last few years. My most popular series, or what I'm probably best known for widely, is a paranormal romance series called Halfway... The first book is Halfway to the Grave, but the series is the Night Huntress series by Janine Frost. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of vampire, romance, mystery, um, a lot of young adult and children's uh, biography memoir has been a great category for me. That's where I've gotten a lot of nominations for Audio Awards and other accolades. Mm-hmm. Um, really a, a range, you know, philosophy, religion, self-help, science. I've done a lot of books that Jenny McCarthy has written about her son's autism. Mm-hmm. So people know Jenny McCarthy. I'm the voice of Jenny McCarthy. Yes. When I hear your voice, so. Jenny McCarthy is immediately what pops into of my course. head. <laughs> or would be if I weren't actually familiar with what you look like. <laughs> well, we're very, very similar. Yeah, she, her, they're a little smaller on her. <laughs> the eyes, I mean. Right, right. Yeah. yeah everything else is pretty close. Though. Right, sure. Yeah. Um, didn't you have um, a semi-famous book, something about rich white whining. Oh, yeah. That's um, White Girl Problems. White Girl Problems, yeah. Yes, by Babe by Babe Walker. Yeah, this is uh, where I'm going to play the audio clip that oh, really? <laughs> really caught my attention. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'll show all you cunt-faced bitches what white girl problems really are. Love, Babe. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. And hard to do. Hard to get through some of the lines because they were so funny. I was laughing hysterically in my studio. White girl problem number one. 
All I want for my birthday is for you to know what I want for my birthday without me having to tell you. In a cruel twist of fate, every birthday I've ever had has been a complete and utter disaster. I'm cursed. And as much as I try to be a good person and put positivity out into the world, the birthday gods continue to piss upon me. My first year of being on this earth was somewhat hectic. I was born at Cedars-Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles on June 10, 1987. My mom then opted out of motherhood altogether, leaving my dad to deal with the pressures of raising a super cute kid on his own. Your studio, so you do this stuff at home then? I do. Most of the stuff that I do is at home. I have a, a whisper room in my home. I should, we should explain at this point that if you hear construction noises because the whisper room is being vastly expanded by two yeah, minions. <laughs> something like that. Yep, something like that. Yeah. Uh, some people just won't take audiobooks seriously because it's, quote, not really reading, unquote. Mm. Um, What's your take on that? Storytelling was initially an oral art form, and it's ancient. It's oral storytelling was in existence long before the printed word was in existence. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something deeply, profoundly intimate about listening to a story that someone is telling you. Um, that's why we read to our children, not just to promote literacy and expose them to reading and writing, but to create a bond between mm -hmm. parent and child. And it's a deep, deep bond. If you listen to a book, you have experienced the book. You mm -hmm. have, uh, I don't want to say consumed the book, but the book has infused you. It has gotten into your heart, your head, your ears, your life. And... So anyone who has sort of a a judgment about that, mm -hmm. um, with all due respect, read your books and enjoy them and keep your judgment to yourself. Got it. I think it's, it is an art form. It's, you know, no doubt. Um, but it's, it's funny to be in an art form that is a phenomenal amount of work, hours and hours and hours in the studio to create a tremendous amount of content. You know, a book may be five hours, but it might be 50 hours long. You know, what other genre of acting is there in which an actor is responsible for creating 50 brilliant hours of <laughs> content? Nowhere. Yeah. And audiobooks are being done independently often. There are still some audiobooks that are produced in a studio with a director and an engineer and an actor, but not... That's not the um, main way they're being done anymore. I'm in my studio by myself, self-engineering and self-directing my own work. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a huge amount of effort, and it's the lowest paid genre of voice acting, honestly. So um, I'm very proud to be a part of it, and I wouldn't change it, but the industry is in an interesting place. And things are being released simultaneously, so... A big um, New York Times best-selling author, now their book will come out in hardback and audio on the same day. Right. And in the past, there was a lag time because mm -hmm. they wanted to know what the sales were before they would put something in audio. So you're a writer as well, eh? I am a writer as well. What is it you write then? Um, I'm finishing my grad graduate degree in creative nonfiction, and uh, I'm writing 
memoir, so I will be finishing as much of my first draft of my memoir as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also revising. I wrote a piece about my mother's relationship with a Liberian immigrant uh, a couple years ago, and I'm revising that piece as an extended solo monologue. Um, I'll keep working on that. And I have started writing some fiction, which I'm really excited about. Would you want to do your own audiobook, or would you want to hand it off? I would do my own, but it's really difficult to narrate my own work. I've done it a little bit, and I thought it would be easy, easy. Mm-hmm. It's so much harder to narrate my own work. Why? I I feel like it's so intimate already. It's my own words and thoughts and meditations. Mm-hmm. And then I take it to a deeper level of intimacy by voicing it. And I feel very, very vulnerable and... Um, just exposed. I assume that when you're reading something, you have to tailor your performance and your voice toward the thing, the material, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, so what I have now, are, I have a couple of samples here. <laughs> okay. I have text samples, one of which is um, Vic, pre-Victorian uh, erotica. Excellent. And the other one is not. You so. know that I have just been um, named... The there's a speaking of audio listeners poll. Mm-hmm. My audiobook of Halfway to the Grave, a mm-hmm. vampire romance novel, won the favored audiobook of the year. Ooh. And I was named the third best at reading sex scenes. Really? I mean, third is pretty respectable. I'd like yeah. to be the first best. You're, but... you're included in the threesome is the important thing. <laughs> All right, so we have the erotic one and the one that isn't. Which would you rather do? Uh, first? Yeah. Um, let's do the one that's not first. Okay, so this is not erotic, and you're free to make it sound as sexy as you're able. Okay, you want some sexy? I want, I, want, I want to do it in the opposite style in uh, which it was written. Oh, opposite? Yes. All right, so I'm making this non-sex scene super sexy. Yes, make this as sultry as possible. Please. All right, and I'm also... Cold reading. I've never read this before. Oh, it's a paragraph. I can always edit out. Edit it out. All right. And you got to keep touching the screen every once in a while so it doesn't go away. Yeah. Wendy knew that <laughs> she must grow up. She was a lovely lady with a romantic mind and such a sweet mocking mouth. Her romantic mind was like the tiny boxes, one within the other, that come from the puzzling east. However many you discover, there is always one more. And her sweet, mocking mouth had one kiss on it that Wendy could never get. Though there it was, perfectly conspicuous. Is that hot? Are you hot? Works for me, yeah. I'm okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I have to tell you what that one was. Uh, That was from Wendy and Peter. Oh, no. (laughs) By J.M. Barry. Oh, no. So you just tarted up a a Peter Pan passage. I'm sorry, children. And uh, the children have all gone to bed by now. Um, so I want you to read this as if it were part of a uh, J.M. Barry, Peter Pan. Okay. Read the sexy one as if it were J.M. Barry. All right. All right. And now, disengaged from the shirt, I saw, with wonder and surprise, what? Not the plaything of a boy, not the weapon of a man but a maypole of so enormous a standard that had proportions been observed, it must have belonged to a young giant. Its prodigious size... Oh, I mispronounced that. Its prodigious size made me shrink again. 
yet I could not, without pleasure, behold, and even ventured to feel such a length, such a breadth of animated ivory. <laughs> All right, what was that from? <laughs> that was Fanny Hill, Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure. Hot. Hot stuff when you do Hot. it like that. I think we just created all kinds of unattended audience for this podcast. I am so sorry. I think sorry. Um, there's a lot of cross-genre. Like There is. <laughs> I've done Christian, young adult, fashion-themed murder mystery fiction. So, you know, <laughs> and that, so we might have just created something entirely new. Yes, who knows what kind of bastardized art form we may have created on today's podcast. Only time will tell. That's about it for this episode of Periodic Mood Swings. I'd like to thank Tavia Gilbert for lending her time and her dulcet tones to my little program. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I'd like to thank the British for having the good sense to put Tim Berners-Lee in their Olympic ceremony, even if many of these stupid Americans watching didn't know who he was, including the broadcasters covering the Olympics. Oh, despair. Anyway, thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on PMS number three. Bye.